everyone and welcome to the First Thing You Think Of podcast. I'm Olivia, the founder of La Casa de las Lenguas magazine, a bi-monthly magazine about languages and cultures. And I'm Ellie, the founder of the travel brand One Globe 360. So today we're going to be talking about uh, religion in China, which is something, um, well, it's something that at first I thought it wouldn't be enough to make a whole episode on, um, but... I didn't realise that there's uh, a lot more things uh, to it uh, than I first thought. And I haven't seen anything in the media, but I would guess that some of these things have been in the media over these uh, last few years, because they they do seem a little bit, well, not a little bit, quite quite a bit, uh, controversial. I mean, how much do you know about religion in China yourself? Um, I really don't know a lot, to be honest. Um... And I guess going back to the, you know, the idea of this podcast and thinking of what's the first thing I think of when I think of religion in China, the answer to that is I really don't know. I don't know what really comes to mind. Um, I would say, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about the the Uyghurs in um, in China, and obviously it's in the media a lot at the moment about the treatment of of them in I think it's like northwest China. So that would probably be the first thing that comes to my head when I think about religion in China at the moment. But I really do think this episode today will really educate me on, you know, all that there is to religion in China. So in answer to your question, I don't know a lot at the moment. Um, So it'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, so just a little bit here of um, what the Chinese constitution says about religion. So Article 36 says that citizens enjoy freedom of religious belief and discrimination based on religion is prohibited. And the constitution also forbids state organs, public organisations or individuals from forcing citizens to follow any particular religion. And I know I probably say this in a lot of episodes, but really the the episode that we did on religion in India is an amazing example of things like this, isn't it? Where maybe in the constitution, it looks great, it sounds great, but it doesn't quite play out in reality. Do you kind of get those initial thoughts when I I read that part of the constitution there? Yeah, I think it's, you know, like you mentioned about India with the episode, you know, India said that they're a secular country when actually, in fact, it wasn't quite like that, was it? When we sort of delved a bit deeper um so yeah my initial thoughts maybe it's something similar they're saying this is the case but actually what is the reality and obviously I can't comment on that at the moment we're going to find that find out about that but um it's going to be interesting to compare what the Chinese constitution is saying and then compare it to maybe what the like I said the reality seemingly is um but should we get straight into it I'll um I'll start by giving a bit of context to the Chinese Communist Party and religion So the Chinese Communist Party is atheist. Um, There are more than 90 million party members, uh, sorry, there more than 90 million party members are banned from having any religious beliefs and has been demanded um, the expulsion of any of those who are found to belong to religious groups. The party officials claim that holding religious beliefs and being a member of the party is incompatible. This extends to family members of those who are part of the party as they are discouraged from publicly taking part in religious ceremonies. In 2017, the party's official newspaper warned the the Chinese Communist Party members from following a religion, claiming that it is spiritual anesthesia. So do you understand why the party wants their members to not have a faith? And what do you think this tells us about them? I mean, I could understand why they don't want them to have a faith. Not saying that I think it's, it's a good idea or, you know, I'm for it. But 
um, I, especially looking back at the episode that we done on the government in China, I feel like they would have the view that um, kind of like if they had a faith, which, you know, more than likely would have a god or gods, then, you know, they're kind of idealizing that and not the government. That's kind of how I yeah. would kind of think how they think after talking about the government a little bit last week. And in terms of what it makes, what it, I think it tells us about them, well, I think it's, uh, it's quite obvious, isn't it, that, you know, um, they, they just want, they just want people to, to follow them. You know, they don't want any kind of like, I don't know, distractions, the right yeah. word. That was the word that came to mind when yeah. I was, yeah, thinking. It's, I think it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just what you would expect in a one party state. They just want a one thing. They don't want anything else, even if that's a religion. That's kind of the thing that I was getting from that. Yeah. No, I I would I definitely think the same. I think I think the word distraction maybe is probably an appropriate word to sort of talk about in this context in terms of it being a one party state. They want the focus solely on the like political beliefs and they don't want potentially religion and religious beliefs, you know being a distraction from the political, the fundamental political, you know, ideologies or beliefs or, or whatever it may be. So that's the the only thing I can really think of, of why the party wants their members to not follow a faith. Um, and yeah, what, what does it tell us about them? That, yeah, they just want fundamentally people to believe in the party and the, the ideology and the opinions of the party. And yeah, they think religion might distract from that that's really what I take from it so very you know the same as what as what you you think and and do you think religion and politics are separate and shouldn't affect each other well that's uh, it's that's an interesting question isn't it because there's so much to that and I guess it all depends on the country really isn't it because I think different parts of the world religion plays a different role um you know I feel like if it did a lot in the UK I don't know I feel like that would be different I feel like it would cause more problems and I don't know why um but in a country in like Asia the Middle East I feel like it's more expected that religion plays a massive role in politics but um, I don't know it's like thinking about um India again wasn't it like the it was like who's in power was it like a Hindi nationalist party so yeah. I guess it's like I guess sometimes you could have parties which like represent a particular religion and if they're voted in then obviously like the majority of people in that country want that which is mm-hmm. fine obviously I don't you're not going to have that in China but in terms of like when you're implementing policies it's like if religion is part of your politics then it's like your personal views are kind of influencing politics but in yeah. terms of like keeping them separate in the way that China does, I personally don't see the incompatibility of being religious and also being a member of a political party. And I don't know if that's just because here in the UK, it's just not something that you would think of. Do you get what I mean? Like, could yeah. you imagine now going on like the Labour Party website, going up to sign to be a member and be like, oh, you can't if you're if you're a Jew. Like, you know... That, that was a bit controversial I don't know if I should have said that <laughs> oops um but a good example anyway um 
you know, it it wouldn't go down well, would it? It would be in the news um, straight away, you know. Um, in that sense, I really don't think they are incompatible, except mm-hmm. for the reasons that the Chinese government would give, which they feel are valid. I think it's interesting, isn't it, taking religion and politics and thinking, do we put them in different boxes or do they interlink? Do they connect and are they similar in in certain ways in terms of like, I don't know, beliefs or ideologies? I don't really know, but I think they are separate things. I mean, I think from our experience here in the UK, there's not too much of a crossover between religion and politics, whereas in other countries that might be the case. So I think, you know, I guess it leads on to another question, which is quite interesting, you know, do you think our religious beliefs, and we've talked about we're both not particularly religious, do you think that means that's had an influence on our political views and I think well because I'm not particularly religious it hasn't it doesn't influence my political views but it's interesting to think about China and you know whether there's a a crossover between politics and religion or whether like we've just discussed the Chinese Communist Party is trying to prevent that crossover between um, politics and religion um but in my, yeah, in my particular, I guess, case, because I'm not particularly religious, it doesn't affect, like I said, doesn't doesn't affect my political views. But um, it'd be interesting to talk to someone from China and ask them that question, you know, in terms of do they see it as a crossover, you know, first, you know, first and foremost. And then secondly, you know, do they feel like they are allowed to do both, be political and be religious? That yeah. I think would be a really interesting question. Yeah, I guess in terms of like in general, do anyone's polit- uh, religious beliefs have an effect on their political views? I think again that that depends, doesn't it? For example, if there's a Catholic party and you're Catholic, I think you're more likely. I'm not saying you you definitely will, but you know you're more likely to vote for them than someone who's not Catholic. Like I personally wouldn't look at like the political parties in the UK and vote out of like the main ones based on religion because I don't feel like religion is uh, a big factor in either of those but then at the same time I wouldn't go off and vote for um you know um like I'm trying to think of like a religion I don't know like um an Islamic party that had that in its name and that's what it was about and it was about upholding you know their laws and their rules because I'm not I'm not a Muslim, if that makes sense. So in that sense, it it doesn't. Um, but I guess if a party is advocating for particular religious stuff, then obviously religion and politics go together. Mm-hmm. But in China, obviously, that's not the case. Um, but if it was the case, then I'd be able to understand more how religion plays such a role in politics but I again it, it just must be this thing of being a distraction it's the only thing that I can think of in terms of China yeah no I think I think so too um well I'll do is I'll I'll give up some more sort of background context to everything we're talking about um so hopefully the listeners can sort of further understand you know the official religions in China and sort of breaking them down in terms of talking about each religion so Although as a communist country, China has no official religion, the government does officially recognise five religions, Buddhism, Taoism, Islam, Catholicism and Protestantism. In the 2010 official census, 48% of the population was split between the officially recognised religions, as well as folk religions and very small populations of Jewish and Hindu believers. So I'll break them down. 
so sort of a breakdown of followers of each religion so there aren't any official statistics but the pew research center which surveys religious beliefs around the world estimates that there are around 245 million buddhists in china which is about 18 percent of the total population taoism is the only religion that is native to china it is an ancient Chinese philosophy and religion that tells its believers how to exist in harmony with the universe. Today, there are about 9,000 Taoist temples all over China, but there are only 50,000 Taoists. In 2018, the Chinese government declared that there are over 44 million Christians in China. Muslims are a minority group in China, representing just 0.45% uh, to 2.85% which is 6 million to roughly 39 million of the total population according to the local government. However, statistics vary as other independent sources claim that there are between 60 to 80 million Muslims in China. So I guess summing up all these statistics, do any of these surprise you at all? What surprises me most is an estimate is 6 million to 39 million. You know, it's a bit of a jump, but I guess in terms of China, it's not quite. <laughs> I guess given the population, it's it's yeah hard to sort of estimate isn't it the population of over a billion talking about like i mean it's such a small percentage but then we're even talking about like 2.85 percent represents about 39 million i mean that's crazy isn't it again it, I yeah. think it reminds us of how big china is as you know as a country in terms of, of population yeah i guess with such a big population as well um you know you're obviously going to have lots of different religions but what came to my mind was how difficult is it going to be? And I guess this will make sense more later, but how difficult is it going to be um, in the Chinese government's eyes to police these religions? I mean, I mean, we'll learn more about that as we go on and how they kind of like, you know, how they like what they do with religion in terms of the Chinese government. But like, you know, it's it's got to be difficult, especially with like, if you think about their members where they've got to have no religion at all. It's like, it's got to be difficult, isn't it? When China's so vast, there's so many people, you know. Yeah, it's, I guess, because, you know, as as I've just, I've just mentioned, you know, officially recognises five religions, but then obviously there are some, you know, more as as well. Um, you know, there's, there's more than, than, than five, I'm sure, in, in China. And um, I guess going back to talking about how big the country is as a, as a population, it must be, you know, I guess in terms of talk, thinking about politics again, in terms of the the the, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, I guess how they view this, how they view religion as a as a whole, which we know we've talked about, and then and then moving on from that, how do they view the different religions? You know, and I guess we can't answer that particularly probably today, but are they more, I don't know, sympathetic to some religions? Are they stricter to others? Um, I think that'll be really interesting. And I think we're, we're going to talk a bit about that later, aren't we? Um, in terms yeah. of again, what, we've, what we've, it's been in the media recently, like I mentioned at the start. But I think, yeah, keeping into perspective the population size and then obviously how the, the Communist Party views, you know, all the different religions, um, you know, separately. Yeah, and one thing I found when researching, um, you know, the, the breakdown of how many people follow each religion in China um, it was very difficult to kind of find like um, a consensus for each of them. So it was like, you know, maybe for like Buddhism, I'd have um, statistics from 2010 and then for Judaism, it would be from like 2005. It was really difficult. And at the start, it says, you know, there aren't any official statistics. And I guess that kind of like, it proves the point again, isn't it? That 
I, I'm, I'm just guessing that kind of religion isn't the main part in Chinese society in terms of the government because obviously the government I guess that the government would have to provide statistics or allow for them to take place yes I think statistics are an interesting one aren't they because it's always difficult to understand sort of the the reliability of them and when they were published and if they've been updated it's hard isn't it I feel like you have to sometimes take statistics with a pinch of salt in terms of remain sort of have an understanding that it could be very different now or it yeah could not be reliable but you know in this you know like we said the Muslims are a minority group in China representing between just 0.45 percent to 2.85 and then it says um there's other independent sources that claim that there are much you know much more Muslims in in China so I guess it's just keeping that perspective isn't it to the statistics they can be really useful i think when sort of evaluating things but they can't always be 100 percent reliable so i think it's just important to bear that in mind yeah so another interesting thing that we're going to look at today is irreligion in china and i never heard of irreligion before have you i have not no i've not heard of it before yeah because um i'm not quite sure what it, i know i've researched it but i'm still not quite sure what it is because i would just i guess i would guess that a religion is like not having a religion which for me i would instead use the word atheism or then i was confused when researching this exactly what atheism is because i always thought it was just not having a religion but then some websites said that it's just being completely against religion Oh, I always thought that atheism was um, just not not believing in religion, not being against yeah. it, but just not not believing in a religion. Yeah. Well, anyway, going back to irreligion in China, um, according to a 2012 Gallup poll, 47% of Chinese people um, were convinced atheists, and a further 30% uh, were not religious. So that maybe that's where I was getting confused. Like, is there a difference between convinced atheists and just not being religious? Maybe there are people that take an active role in religion in terms of yeah. they think about it and they think, oh, okay, I've thought about it and I've decided I don't believe. Yeah. And then the 30% are just, I don't think about it. It's not, you know, it's not a part of my life. I don't want to think about it, that sort of thing. Maybe that is, there's the difference between the two. Yeah, because I, I did um, RE A level and we learned there was different types of atheism. So maybe it's on about that. <laughs> but only 14% of people in China considered themselves to be um, religious, which is quite a big drop from those who are convinced atheists. Um, but again, putting it in terms of China is still going to be a very large amount. Um, more recently, in 2015, a Gallup poll found the number of convinced atheists in China was 61%. So it's it's gone up quite a bit. Um, and with a further 29% saying they are not religious compared to just 7% who are religious. So I think it's quite clear, like the ones who are either convinced atheists or not religious have gone up and those who are religious have gone down. Um, I mean, and just kind of like thinking about I don't know, just what you think and kind of bits that we've spoken about. Why do you think that would be? I'm just trying to get, get my head around these statistics. So so we're saying that three years on from 2012, more people have said that they were convinced atheists. Yeah. And then roughly the same were saying that they were not. Oh, so a further, sorry, a further 29% 
Okay, so we've got more people saying that they're convinced atheists and more people saying that they're not religious. So I guess we're trying to essentially break down why that's the case. Maybe that's got, I don't know. I mean, obviously we, we don't live in China and we don't know, I guess, the extent to which the government controls religion, but maybe they had something to do with it in terms of, um, I don't know, people's beliefs or, it's difficult, isn't it? I really can't offer a reason as to why I think the numbers yeah. have gone up. It's difficult. I feel like I need more context. I'm sure we'll get it throughout the episode. One um, thing um, I have read recently is that I think in like 2015, the Chinese party was somewhere within 80 million um, members. And then I think it was this year, it's gone up to something like 90, 91 million. And it's like something like the second biggest party in the world now. So it's it's gone up quite a bit. And obviously, if you're members of the party, you can't have the religion. So I wonder if that's had something to do with it. Yeah, I I think, you know, I think what, what is really interesting, I think I need to get my head around this more, is people being like members of the party, because that seems yeah. to be a really, really big thing in China. Whereas obviously here in the UK, you can be a member of the party, but maybe just from my experience, it's not as big of a thing to do potentially here in the UK compared to China um, and I think that in itself plays a big role within religion doesn't it because if you're a member of a part if you're a member of the party in China you're a very involved member you take a very involved role in the party so whether that further impacts religious beliefs could potentially be yeah, well, there's an interesting thing here. Um, so since the reforms of 1979, the government has liberalised um, religious polities to a certain extent, and the religious population has increased, which isn't quite reflected in the statistics. However, the irreligious are still the majority among all age groups in China, and in some cases, local governments support certain local religious institutions and festivals to promote tourism. And that was a really, that's the part that got me at the end, is tourism. Um, so what role do you think religion plays in tourism? You know, like when, when you've been um, to countries, do you go and see kind of like religious things? I mean, yeah. I have a few times thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, to answer the first question, you know, what role do you do I think religion plays in tourism? I think a pretty big role. I think it depends on the tourist, because obviously as a tourist, you could have a particular interest in religion. So then when you're in the in the particular country, you make us, you know, a proper, you know, you make it your priority to go to temples and place you know religious sites and you you know you educate yourself but then you could have another tourist that is just there to um relax and you know they don't have a particular interest in religion they won't go and visit temples and religious sites so i think it does play a, a substantial role in tourism but i think it depends like i said on who the tourist is um but for me when i travel i really like to educate myself on um the religion in in um you know in the country and when I went to Bali in Indonesia a couple of years ago, that was a big thing for me. We, we went to loads of, of, of temples and, um, you know, we had tour guides who would tell us all about it um, and, and the role that the religious sites played in religion in Bali. So for me, it's quite an important thing just to educate myself, really, because I think if anything plays a big role in a country, whether it be religion or whether it be sport or whether it be food like I would like to take an interest in what the big parts of a country are if that makes sense and if religion's yeah. one of them 
then I would love to learn more about it so that's how I sort of see it what about you yeah just thinking um I've been to the places which are you know um I'm thinking of like the Vatican the well you know, the Vatican um yeah. but at the time I, I would never have thought oh, I'm going here because it's religious I was going there because I don't know it was it was interesting or I, I never went there as a a motive because it was religious but just if you just even look at like you know just photos of the Vatican and see how many people are there like you just got to think how much money that brings in and that is where um you know the Chinese government the local governments I think are catching on aren't they um you know and it's like it's kind of playing religion isn't it they're playing it to to what they want it for they don't want their members to be religious but they don't want to get rid of religion completely because there are advantages um there are strengths for themselves um which i mean it, you can't you can't be annoyed at them for that can you really because I guess, it is, yeah yeah it's it's seeing what their their priorities are with with religion mm. if they are prioritizing it towards tourism then you can potentially see their in their intentions um really interesting question I haven't really thought about it before in terms of religion and tourism and like linking them together and it made me think back to when I went to China and I was thinking how big a role did religion play in my time there and it really didn't play a big role at all and I think that I can kind of understand that now given what we've talked about religion doesn't doesn't seem to play a, a, a big role in China or not as big as it does in other countries that we've talked about in the past so it sort of made sense to me I sort of when I just reflected now I was like oh okay when I went to China what 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 did I do what did I see you know how is it all sort of shown and um I kind of get now you know it doesn't seem to be um yeah something that potentially that they would promote for tour well when I was there a couple of years ago three years ago now um I didn't particularly see any tourism associated to religion um maybe that's changed I'm not sure um but yeah it was just interesting to sort of reflect back to my trip and sort of see the role that religion played or or didn't really play in my time there yeah so I mean um if we again thinking back to the India episode on religion which I think is we're always going to refer back to um you know it's again it's a question of you know we've seen what it says in the constitution and I would say that so far it doesn't really feel like that's been upheld what was said in the constitution yeah yeah so that obviously raises the question then of is a really freedom of religion in china um so before we begin talking about what we think um you just got a bit about it here so the state council which is the government's administrative authority passed regulations on religious affairs um these came into place in february 2018 and they permitted state registered um religious organizations to possess property published literature um train and approve clergy and collect donations however this uh, with this came more government controls such as restrictions on religious schooling and the times and locations of religious celebrations as well as monitoring of online religious activity and reporting donations that exceeded um is it 100,000 yuan is that how you say it yuan yeah. i think yeah um which is around uh $15,900 or just over £11,000 um human rights watch it um in China's director um Sophie Richardson said that while religious belief in China is protected by the constitution the measures do not guarantee the right to practice worship 
practice or worship um religious practices are limited to normal religious activities whatever those i guess what you consider to be normal religious activities um differs from person to person so yeah um yeah it says that <laughs> though normal is left undefined and can be broadly interpreted uh religious organizations must register with one of five state sanctioned patriotic religious associations which are supervised by the state administration for religious affairs so i guess it's a it's a, a question that i can't believe i'm asking in a lot of ways but do you think that religion is something that should be supervised and in terms of China why do you think they feel the need to do this I mean firstly no religion is not something that should be supervised um in terms of like looked upon by like a government um I think religion should have its freedom from politics I know we talked about earlier about the crossover but I think I think a crossover is obviously okay in the right way but I think in this instance religion is it well it's being somewhat looked at and controlled in some way um and i know i say some way in that i don't think it's fully established how exactly they really control it but as we can see here it's monitoring of online religious activity the reporting of donations restrictions on religious schooling and times of and locations of religious celebration so it's very clear that there is some sort of supervision and i say that in inverted commas um but I do not think religion should be supervised. Um, it should be left to itself and for people to follow it in a way that they want to follow it, um, whether that be festivals or traditions, customs, language, whatever it may be. And we've discussed this over the last couple of episodes. Why do I feel that they need to, to do this? Um, because they seem to, to like control um, you know, as a party and controlling people's, I don't know, potentially their beliefs, ideologies, you know how they perceive things and this is maybe another part of people's lives that they're wanting to control and have some sort of influence over or control over um again this is all coming from a perspective of someone that is still learning about religion in china um i'm just trying to get my head around it really but my initial response to what you've just said is is that in terms of um religion should not be supervised and I think they might be doing this because they are wanting to keep some sort of um, control on on religion in in China. What do you what do you think? Do you agree with me? Yeah, obviously, religion is something very personal, and it's it's often something that goes back generations. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of like uh, Judaism, where it's um, it's always passed through the mother, for example. It's religion is except in kind of um you know certain circumstances it's something that you know when you're born um you know you're brought up in it and you take part in um you know the rituals um, which in a lot of religions start from a young age i mean think of um you know baptism um like a bar mitzvah and stuff like that those are things that you know take place when you're really young or when you're a teenager so it's it's really personal isn't it and it's a very much a family thing um so you know could you imagine having your personal life being supervised I mean it's yeah, it's, no, it's just it's, not right is it um no. and it, again why do they feel the need to do this of course this is obviously we 
can't say this is why they do this that's why they do that the reason that we have like these we answer these questions after looking at, at like um you know the stuff that that I just uh, read out is because it's this is something that you know when we say things like this more shocking things like this people are going to naturally question why do they feel the need to do this why do they feel the need to do that but more often than not we'll be afraid to say it because of oh how's someone going to react to this am I wrong to say that but you know as we said many of times if nobody says it um then you're always going to kind of keep that inside and then you might get misinformed and you might Mm -hmm. never learn the truth so that's kind of why we you know why we react to this why we say our first thoughts and through doing that you know we can often find out the truth or you know whatever but going back to the question why do they feel the need to do this yeah again it's like I'm kind of thinking you know the way that they um kind of censor what they can see online um I'm thinking back to that and it's kind of like um you know they I'm maybe like if they were following a religion and would kind of go against what the party stands for maybe you know um they don't again thinking about like the censorship they don't want um the Chinese people to see anything that goes against them and maybe if they were following a religion and they were very strong believers there'd be something in that religion that would go against the 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 way that the government works maybe I think what's really interesting that I'll just go back to before we sort of talk more about it is going back to the the sort of fundamental of part of the podcast which is like think about the first thing we think of and you really picked up upon that in terms of what does why uh, it made me think like why do we why do we do this why do we talk about what is the first thing we think of and it's like exactly what you said it's to then eventually find out the truth or like the reality of the situation and I think religion is it's something that, like you said, it's very like individual, isn't it? You, you you can follow, you can have two people that follow the same religion, but they might do it in different ways. Yeah, and definitely. I think what's really interesting here is is just to understand, well, just fundamentally to understand religion religion in China, because I know we always talk back to the India episode, but I feel like for for both of us that was really striking. I think when we did the episode on religion in India, and we, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm sure we were the same in this. I learned so much about about religion in, in India and I'm sure after recording this episode today we'll, we'll come away and think of how much we've learned but I think yeah it, it's such an interesting topic and I think it's important to remember the two things one that religion is very individual and can be interpreted in different ways and two like always bringing it back to the first thing we think of is is I think really really interesting and what I find also very interesting is to sort of think about our listeners and what's the first thing they think of when we introduce these new topics in the podcast what's the first thing that they think of um so definitely check out our Instagram because that's I think that's something we'll start doing more so on our Instagram is getting listeners involved and ask them what is the first thing that they think of maybe we can introduce the topic a couple of days before it goes out yeah and when then we can find out sorry I've gone off on a tangent but it just made, <laughs> it made me really think when you were talking about it about yeah. like the first thing um and it makes me really like sort of take a step back and think oh actually what is the first thing I think of um yeah. but yeah I guess within that I mean again sorry I've gone off on a massive tangent but it yeah it's important I think within this whole context of of religion yeah 
Um, so just kind of like uh, going back to this again, and then we'll discuss that. Um, both registered and unregistered uh, religious groups are monitored by uh, Chinese public uh, security officials, and their aim, uh, you could say, <laughs> is to prevent activities that disrupt public order, impair the health of citizens, or interfere with the educational system of the state. In reality, human rights watchdogs say that this monitor monitoring tends to affect peaceful activities that are protected under international law um, rather than trying to protect it. Under the current president, the uh, Chinese Communist Party has tried to make all religions conform with the ideologies of the party regulations that come into that came into effect in early 2020 um, made it compulsory for religious groups to accept and promote the Chinese Communist Party's values and it is a requirement for religious organizations um, to obtain approval from the government's uh, religious affairs office before carrying out any religious activities um, so do you think that this is the motive behind the majority of their actions towards religion now? Um, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, they they want them to promote the values of their party. Um, and it's like, if we can't get rid of religion completely, um, because it does have some strengths, maybe in terms of tourism, that or like the kind of thing there is, okay, where well, you have to promote us. Yeah. If, this is this is really striking actually i i think this has really shown the the reality of the situation in terms of you know the chinese communist party has tried to make all religions all religions whether it be christianity buddhism hinduism all religions conform with the ideolo ideologies of the party i mean that in itself i mean all religions are so different so how they have similarities but are different in their own ways but yet they're trying to make all of them conform to this to the same ideology of the part of the party if that makes sense it, it, it's striking to that they're trying to to make all religions like i said whichever it may be conform to the same ideologies i i find that i'd i'd, I'd, I'd love to sort of maybe try and understand how they think that that would be possible do you yeah. know what i mean because all religions yeah. are so different like i said like of course they have similarities but they're so different but yet they're trying to make them conform to the but also how can a religion promote ideologies of a political party? Yeah, That's an and it's a thing to think. Like, how can it, they do it? This goes add, back like an extra book into the into the Bible or something. Like, yeah, do you know I what mean, mean? It, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier—the crossover between politics and religion. Maybe there really can't be a crossover. Maybe there can't. Maybe there can be a small crossover, or maybe there can be a big one. I don't That's know. It's like if, all the questions. If but... you think about it, if there's a crossover between religion and politics it's not because it says in in their book that you know there is or or like there is a crossover ideologies or beliefs it's because the individual person is making that crossover themselves if that makes sense yeah yeah I think this is yeah and it, it's so recent you know early 2020 made it compulsory for religious groups to accept and promote the Chinese Communist Party values so this is this was last year yeah it's so so recent um what do you think that shows us do you think that the the chinese communist party is just continually like making changes to their 
well, it's, is it in law? I don't know. That's another question. Is it in law? They're making changes as, as recent as 2020. What do you think that potentially shows for the future of this relationship between the Chinese Communist Party and religion? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking when we're going back to, um, you know, the last episode where we talked about religion, it was kind of like things have really intensified under the current president. And I think that's clear here as well, you know, through the new laws. Um, And I'm sure we said something like, has he made it? uh okay for him to be president for life or am I probably thinking of something else um I I think that's true I think that's right I remember seeing that recently yeah then I can only see um things like this carrying on I can't see them banning religion completely because I think they see religion um kind of as a way another way of putting their party out there you know it's and I think that that's clear there from them promoting the values and having to do that um but I think yeah it's it would be interesting to think about how strictly are these followed because how can you police that how can you police that every person is promoting the communist party through their religious life do you get what I mean it's like it's so personal yeah Yeah. and also again it brings it back to like how can you police or have some control over over a billion people Mm. like that's just I mean it's an answer I don't think we'll ever it's a a question I don't think we'll ever get an answer to because I mean we live here in you know the UK with what 66 million people like I feel like we'll never I'll never fully truly understand living in a country with that many people Um, a a completely like bigger 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 scale that we have here so it makes it will make things different, you know, if you compare the UK to China, there will be so many differences because of that fundamental difference in population um, in terms of like politics, religion, language, culture, everything, because it's so different in terms of the size of the country. It will make things very different to how they're done here. Um, and I always try and keep that into perspective, I think, um, you know, like with India as well, over a billion people. So things are going to be done differently because it's just on a, on a bigger scale than it is here. Um, so, yeah, I think that's interesting to keep into perspective as well. Yeah. So um, now moving on to probably something that um, people have seen in the media um, more recently is China's persecution of Muslims. And before asking anything about that, there tends to be a theme, doesn't there, when we're talking about religion is that if there's persecution, we will normally talk about Muslims. Is it just me making that link there? No, I think, yeah, I think, yeah. And I think the media has definitely, like, played a role in showing this. Yeah. Uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about the the Uyghurs here, um, because this has been very, very recent in the news, I think up to a couple of months ago, really, or even now, it's still in, in the media, um, definitely in 2021. Um so it'd be interesting to, I guess, assess overall, like you just said, like the the role the media plays within topics like this. Um, but should I go in to provide a bit of context before yeah. we sort of talk about it? Um, so China has 10 main Muslim ethnic groups. Hui is the largest of these and is an ethnic group that is closely related to the Han population and largely found in Western China's uh, Ningxi Autonomous Region and the Gangzhou uh, Ginghai and Yunnan provinces. 
The Uyghurs, who are Turkic people who mainly reside in the autonomous region of Xinjiang, are also generally Muslim. In this area of China, there are around 11 million Uyghurs, which makes up about half of the population. Officials in Xinjiang tightly control religious activity, even though Muslims in the rest of China can generally have a lot more religious freedom. More recently, however, Hui Muslims in northwest, northwestern China have experienced growing repression, most notably through the imprisonment of religious leaders and forced closures of mosques. Is this something that you've seen in the media, um, first and foremost? And if not, why do you think that this is? Um, I've heard um, a bit about um, the Uyghurs and, you know, the. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it yet, but um, the detention camps. Um, but in terms of like more specific things like the forced closure of mosques and, you know, kind of more specific things about where it's happening, who exactly it's happening to. I haven't read about that. Actually, I don't know if I heard about it in the media. I think I saw a bit about bit about it in a documentary. Um, but I'm sure this has been something that has been. But um, I don't think it's been like a main story. I don't know if I've gotten that a bit wrong. Um, I think what well, I think it depends. Like, I mean, firstly, I'm not just talking about both, you know, both of us, but any listeners or anyone really. I think it depends how much you sort of in, yeah, in, yeah. invest in the media, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, how are you a daily watcher? Are you someone that just watches here and there? And I think um, I'm someone that I, I quite like watching the news in terms of I just like to be aware of what's going on around the world. Um, and definitely in the last couple of months, I've been seeing a lot more about this the situation um and again i think it maybe depends on what news you watch you know obviously news channels are different they broadcast different things obviously they broadcast many similar things obviously it's like a big event going on somewhere um but again it, this might be a diff, you know something to consider like the type of news you watch maybe broadcasts different things or in different ways um but this is something i've definitely seen in the media um mm. and there was definitely a documentary i watched recently um on bbc iplayer talking about china and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just about this example but it was um something that was in a particular episode it was a series and this is something that they they talked about um so yeah i have seen it in the media um and 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 you know obviously we've, we've said we sort of have, have both been aware of it in the media how would you say it sort of compares to the coverage that other articles about china have so in terms of other topics that have come about to do with china do you have you noticed any difference in how it's sort of being sort of covered in the news well it's like as you've said you know it depends on how you watch the media you know what media you watch you know in terms of like what, what like you know uh channel you watch what program you watch um and also then what things you read isn't it um and how much you read there's so many factors but the thing is is that you know if it's like a breaking news story it's going to be on all of them isn't it um yeah definitely the thing to compare and I don't think it's been on all of them or all of them a lot like for for example the first time if I turn on the tv now it's it's most likely not going to be the first thing that shows up I think I'm right in guessing that I mean all depends when you time it but yeah um and I think the quite clear thing to to compare it to is the pandemic isn't it in terms of China I think you're much more much more likely to see the coverage of that than you are to see um you know the coverage of 
what's happening with um, the Uyghurs. Um, yeah. so in terms of that, it's, it's obviously quite, I would say, kind of stark difference there. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be um, on the same level. And I think you're much more likely, obviously, to encounter someone who can tell you about the, China, the pandemic in China than can tell you, you know, in depth about this. So I, I'll go on and give a bit more sort of context because I think what was really interesting as well that I think we both didn't really sort of um, know about was sort of, I guess, the extent to what had happened, like the more specific details. I think you yeah. sort of mentioned, like, I think we both know generally what's been going on, but the more specific details we, we weren't as aware of. So I'll provide some more context to this. So since 2017, up to 2 million Muslims, most of them who are Uyghurs, have been arbitrarily detained in, the gov- in what the government calls re-education camps. Former detainees have reported being tortured, sexually abused, barred from practicing their religion, and forced to pledge loyalty to the Chinese Communist Party. Many children of those who are detained in the camps are sent to boarding schools where they study Mandarin and the Chinese Communist Party ideology, according to a 2019 US government report. Outside of the detention centres, Uyghurs are subjected to intense surveillance, widespread religious restrictions and forced sterilisations. The government describes these camps as job training centres, where students have the opportunity to learn skills that will help them improve their economic fortunes. But images of prison-like structures surrounded by high chain-link fences topped by barbed wire make it clear that this is a massive government-funded assault on religion whose purpose is to force Muslims to abandon their faith. These claims have been backed up by former detainees who, after their release, have fled to other countries where they could tell their stories. Now, I guess from what I've just said, um, what do you think the Chinese government gets out of this? Why do you think that they are doing this? Um, Sorry, I lost my voice there. Honestly, I don't quite know because, I mean, with the other religions, you I haven't heard anything similar to this. Um, I don't know. Is it like they feel that the be- their beliefs pose a threat to their own ideologies? I don't know. But yeah, I, mean, I, I really don't know, and I don't think there has been um, an explanation. I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I really couldn't give an answer to that because, I mean, I mean, how could you get something out of it anyway? Um, but you know I, yeah I really don't it, it must be something like there's there's something within their beliefs that poses that they feel poses a threat to them that's that's yeah. literally the only thing I can think of yeah I think I'm, I'm the same as you I, I can't there's no justifying the treatment um of the other Uyghurs you know there's no justification it sounds just really awful and so sad and and, you know, obviously people have, have, have come out, former detainees, and have told their stories. And I think it, it was, from what I remember from the documentary, that was a, a big part of it, talking to people who had been in these um, these camps, um, these detention centres. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like you said, is it them trying to have, again, some sort of control over this particular uh, religion or religious group of people? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think in the media it's been particularly like revealed or said or talked about as to why they're really doing this. Um, I've heard bits of like, I think, because I think the UK is getting involved a bit in terms of obviously like, you know, international relations and obviously 
the, the UK has a, I guess, a, a duty to, you know, protect human rights. Um, and I think Dominic Raab, our foreign secretary, has been, I think, in contact, I guess, in contact is a weird way to describe it. I guess, you know, they've had conversations, I think, with the Chinese Communist Party about what's going on. Um, and yeah, but I don't know if there's been a, a full on explanation of why this is taking place. Um, again, I feel like I need to educate myself a bit more about what's going on. Um, I think this is like, I guess, the start of understanding it, uh, of understanding what's going on. Um, but if the listeners are interested, we'll leave some links, I'm sure, in the in the descriptions yeah. where, where we got this information from. And um, please, of course, you know, do more research if, if people are interested. Um, but this is something that I think we all need to be aware of because it's happening right now. Um, you know, it's still important to be aware of something, even if it happened in the past, but it's happening now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a bit more information sort of, I guess, to sort of finish up. So Chinese officials deny human rights abuses in the region. They maintain that the re-education camps have two purposes, to teach Mandarin, Chinese laws and vocational skills, and to prevent citizens from being influenced by what they deem as extremist ideas. Beijing has resisted international pressure to allow outside investigators to freely travel into Jiang. So that kind of answers the question, doesn't it? This, yeah. is, their, this is their explanation um, as to what they're doing. Uh, what do you think about their explanation of, of it all? Yeah, obviously, I can never say that it's, it's justified in terms of being morally right, but um, it gives an explanation um, as to why they do it. I think um, the teach Mandarin, the Chinese laws and the vocational skills, I think we can forget about those. It's more so um, the extremist ideas part, isn't it? I think that's the that's what they they think uh, justifies it, which obviously, um, you know, I, I don't know much about, you know, exactly what they are deeming as extremist ideas to give my own point of view um, on that. I'm sure they're not knowing what I know about the Chinese government, um, you know, um, but that that's the explanation, isn't it? Again, it's going back to what I said, is they feel that something poses a threat and it's it's quite obvious that because they call them extremist ideas. Yeah, I think, I think finishing on this point, um, I mean, hopefully allows the listeners to, to, to be at a point to research more if they're interested, like I said. I think this, we finished at a point where we're finishing to the present day, because obviously, like I said, this is a current, this is currently happening, this is currently taking place. So I think, you know, it'd be really interesting to potentially do another podcast on religion in China in like a year's time and see if yeah. there are any changes or is, is it the situation still the same? Um, what's taken place what has other countries around the world done um, you know like we said uh, I was talking about like Dominic Raab and obviously UK and the UK's response to it all and obviously human rights um, so I think yeah I think it, it's a point to, to leave on for this podcast today and and um, I guess yeah reflect on it in a year and I guess I mean with all the episodes we can probably record in a couple of years time and it'd be so interesting to see the differences or, or, of course, similarities between, you know, now and in a couple of years. But I think today this has really educated, my, you know, educated myself on on so many parts of, of religion in China. And I've learned so much more than, than I didn't know um, about, you know, an hour ago. So I hope the listeners have, have found it really interesting. I certainly have. Um, and like I said, we'll leave the links to any um, websites or sources where we got our information from. So 
everyone can go check them out if they uh, would like to find out a bit more.